0: you are listening to the next best picture podcast and this is our review of marriage story what i love about nicole she is a mother who plays really plays
1: what i love about charlie he loves being a dad he loves all the things
0: you're supposed to hate like waking up at night she knows when to push me and when to leave me alone he never lets other people keep him from what he wants to do Too far. I know. It's not easy for her to close a cabinet. He's incredibly neat. She's brave. He's brilliant. She's He's very competitive. competitive.
1: So I'll tell Charlie what's happening, and Cassie, you then hand him the envelope.
0: I just get nervous.
1: Can you unserve? What do you mean? Like, take it back? Charlie and I are getting a divorce, Mom. You can't be friends with him anymore. G-Ma! Charlie Bird!
2: <laughs> 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 Mom? Mom? What?
0: You know, most people in my business, you're just transactions to them. I like to think of you as people. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> you remind me of
2: myself on my second marriage. Baby, I'm amazed the way you love me all the time. Part of what we're going to do together is tell your story.
3: Baby, Did you dye your hair, hair again?
0: No, this is me. You don't like
3: it? Is it shorter? I prefer it longer, but.
1: How are you doing? I realized I didn't ever really come alive for myself, I was just feeding his
3: aliveness.
0: I'll never get to really be his parent
3: again. He needs to know that I fought for him! It's not as simple as not being in
2: love anymore. Eventually, there'll be the two of you having to figure this out. Together.
3: we start from a place of reasonable and they start from a place of crazy when we settle we'll be somewhere between reasonable
0: and crazy all right everyone you were just listening to the trailer from marriage story and the story of this marriage is as follows a stage director and an actress struggle through a grueling coast-to-coast divorce that pushes them to their personal and creative extremes The film is starring Scarlett Johansson, Adam Driver, Laura Dern, Alan Alda, and Ray Liotta. It is written and directed by Noah Baumbach. Joining me for this podcast review, I have Nicole Ackman.
2: Hi, everyone.
0: Dan Baer. Good evening. And Josh Parham. Hello, hello. So Marriage Story is a film that uh, has been on my radar, at least uh, since the spring, actually, of 2019, when Netflix uh, clued me in pretty early on that this was going to be something very special. And to be honest with you all, uh, Noah Bomback to me has been a filmmaker who I've said for a long time is... Usually interesting, usually consistent. He has made some films that I consider to be better than others, but he's never, for me at least, me, he's never made a film that was like at that that tier, you know, that level. And it feels like to me with Marriage Story, uh, this is like the culmination of everything that his career has done it's been like building up to this. It's like that moment where we realize here's a guy who's been consistently doing great work for a long time and he's got a film that is striking a chord with everyone on an emotional level, um, on a comedy level, on a dramatic level and it's just hitting all of the right beats it seems and the timing could just not be more perfect for him and for the people involved with the movie it's just one of those things you know it's like lightning in a bottle and sometimes you happen to catch it with that said um i I guess it's no surprise uh marriage story is a pretty damn great movie (laughs) uh but i have more thoughts to give on it i want to pass it along to uh everyone else though um Let's start off with Nicole. Uh, Nicole, uh, did you have expectations, you know, heading into Marriage Story and uh, where they met? What do you ultimately think of the film?
2: Yeah, I think I actually went in with um, kind of low expectations. I, it was the first film, it was the opening film that I saw at Film Fest 919. And, you know, the first half of this year was not the best time for cinema, it felt like. So I think I was kind of going into this festival, like, please let something be good. And I really wasn't super familiar with um, Noah Baumbach's work uh, prior to this. I hadn't seen very many of his movies. And so I kind of went in and I was like, I had seen Adam Driver um, earlier this year in the play that he was in on Broadway, and he really blew me away with his acting in that. So I was like, okay, like, you know, this guy's like, a really top tier level actor in a way that I don't think we'd necessarily like fully seen on film before. And it was excited to see Alan Alda and Laura Dern. And I, I'm kind of ambivalent about Scarlett Johansson normally, but so went in, in with, uh, you know, medium expectations, maybe thinking like at, at the very least it was going to have some good performances. Uh, and I was absolutely blown away. Um, Like, spoiler alert, this is currently my number one film of the year Um, with everything that I've seen thus far. I think it's a really brilliant film in the way that it, you know, kind of explores uh, love and relationships ending and grief and families and divorce and just also, like, the legal system and and the ways that um, in our modern society, like, things like relationships and parenthood are, like, codified legally. Um, so I just – I think it's it's got brilliant performances, uh, a really, really smart, really funny, really heartbreaking script. I think that like one of the most surprising things about the film is how funny it is, and I really appreciated that.
0: That's interesting that you say that too because heading into it, I, I don't know if any of you guys also felt the same way, but I was expecting – like a blue Valentine or a Revolutionary Road, like hard drama. Yep. And you're you're right, Nicole. I, I too wasn't expecting it to be so outrageously funny as it was.
2: Yeah, and that's at Film Festival Nine, we actually had Martha Kelly uh there to speak to us. And she plays um I can't remember what they officially call her, but she essentially comes to to check in on the families <laughs>
0: The, oh, the evaluator
2: the evaluator, oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. we'll We'll get to that scene in a bit. yeah, <laughs>
2: um, we'll, we'll get into it. But, like, it was so great to get to hear someone who who really uh, I think kind of embodies the comedic parts of the movie talk about it. And, yeah, I just think, like this movie is so surprising and not that it that the trailers didn't depict it well because I think that the trailers were actually really great. But I think that there's so much more to this film than you would think that there would be on the surface well.
0: That's what you get when you deal with the human complexity of, <laughs> you know, people at the end of the day, we're very, very complex, you know, uh, individuals, you know? Uh, so yeah, I agree with you. I think that he, uh, perfectly captures, uh, these two individual personalities, um, for all of their good points and all of their, uh, faults as well. So much so that the film actually opens with, uh, each of them reciting, uh, the things that they like about the other person, so we get like a really good, clear picture of who both Nicole and Charlie are when the story begins. And as the story progresses, we start to understand the faults, the cracks, the things that make them imperfect. And I think that kind of a storytelling device, um, like you said, it, it, on the surface, it you know could just be another you know divorce drama. But there's so much attention paid to who these people are and what has made their relationship crumble. And, you know, it's I don't know about you guys, but whenever anyone in life ever wants to talk to me sometimes about their marital problems or something like that, you know, I'm a good ear, you know, at first. But if you keep coming back to me, like, you know, 50 times or something like that, after a while, I'm just like, oh, come on already. Like, you know, and um, we start to lose, I think, sometimes that degree of empathy um, because of lack of patience, if you will. And um, this movie finds a way uh, to really get us invested, you know, even if these are people that, I don't know, uh, on the surface, we might look at them at first and be like, I, I don't really care, you know, I don't, I don't really, why should I care about these people? But the movie makes us care. All right. uh, Why don't we pass over to Josh? Josh, what what, what do you got for Marriage Story?
3: Well, going into Marriage Story, I actually had decent expectations for it, mainly because I actually do consider myself a Noah Baumbach fan. I haven't watched all of his movies, but I've seen a good deal of them. And I really responded to them, especially The Squid and the Whale. Like that is one of my favorite movies um, of the last – the previous decade. I think that's really, really well done.
0: I go back and forth on that and Francis Hoffman. I I don't know which one I prefer more, you know?
3: Yeah. I mean I I think that he's a really interesting storyteller, especially with these very intimate character studies. I think that's really where his strengths as a filmmaker lie. And so going into Marriage Story, I had some decent expectations, especially with the cast that was assembled for this. And I would say that walking out of it, I, I really, really do like the film. I don't know if it's in like the top five for me of the year. There are some things about the storytelling that I do kind of take some issues with, in particular, I think, where the movie wants most of our sympathies to lie Um, But overall, I think it's really, really well done. And it's bolstered really by these great performances and by this very smart writing. But I think Baumbach really still manages to craft this very intimate story. And I think that's always going to be his strength as a filmmaker. And I think for this movie in particular, he allows this really interesting dynamic to happen with these characters and this very sharp writing and these great performances. So Overall, I think it's a really strong movie, even though I do have some slight criticisms with it. Yeah, and those criticisms
0: that you're uh, bringing up right now, I, I do have some stuff I want to say about that as well. But before we get to that, um, I want to finish us off with Dan's initial thoughts. And then
1: we'll we'll definitely dig a little bit deeper there. Uh, well, I like Josh. I had also seen a lot of, if not all of, Noah Baumbach's work prior to Marriage Story. Um, I had heard a lot about this one at TIFF where I unfortunately missed it um, but heard a lot of people saying that it was very great and moving and really well told I was anxious to see it when it finally opened in New York and I was really glad that um, it was playing at IFC Center, I saw it a couple weeks ago and I like it it's fine
0: ooh a mm. little subdued in the enthusiasm there. Okay. <laughs> I, I know, I'm
1: sorry to, sorry to break up the party on this one, but it, it it is one of those movies where I had to really go back and think to myself as like, okay, is it just that I don't like the characters or that I don't like the way the film is telling us about these characters and using them to tell the story? Mm. Um, because I think pretty much every character in this movie, except maybe Julie Haggerty, is a horrible person. How dare you insult that small child? <laughs> and, <laughs> the kid is pretty awful. And
2: what
0: about and what about sweet, sweet, adorable Alan Alda? Okay,
1: fine, fine, Alan Alda, okay. but I mean, We're but he's all, but I mean, <laughs> but he's also like it. Just I had I had a lot of issue with the way this film presents its characters and um those those issues put me into a place of liking this movie and like but not loving it okay
0: all right that's fair um i find with this movie in particular uh, the thing that I am always struck by when uh, directors writers can pull off the balance between drama and comedy uh, another film this year that did that for me in a really really fantastic way was The Farewell and you know I often reference other things like Sideways or Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind um, if a film can manage to strike a balance between the two um, you really do get I, I find a really enriching cinematic experience where a lot of emotions are touched then uh, during uh, the runtime. So with this film, you know you have a couple of scenes that are expertly staged and blocked uh, for comedic effect. you know I think of the scene where uh, where uh, Nicole is trying to deliver Charlie uh, the divorce papers and <laughs> <That's> yeah <hilarious. laughs> and oh, uh, her uh, mother uh, played by um, Julie Haggerty, is constantly getting in the way and uh, Merritt Weaver is playing uh, her, her her sister and she's <laughs> she's fumbling through not knowing how to do it and she's nervous and it, it, it's just done really extremely well because for a moment that's meant to be very heavy and is meant to hit hard, uh, Bomback has fun with it and we, the audience, have fun with it too. I think if the movie didn't have comedic scenes like that or um the evaluator scene which i'm still gonna hold off on for the time oh being God. of going into detail but if the movie didn't have those moments I, I i i don't know listen there there is a time and a place for a movie like a blue valentine you know if you're gonna just sit through and just be miserable for two hours <laughs> but I, I don't know I've, i find this experience um with that balance to just be an overall, um, mo- like I said, more enriching one, more fulfilling, if you will. I think
2: it's it's interesting because one thing that I think is really uh, fascinating to me about this movie is how much it is tied to theater. Um, sure. Not just because the character of Nicole is an actress and Charlie is a director of theater um, and because so much of it is kind of about this L.A., New York, Hollywood, Broadway divide, but... Um, there's a lot in it that I think is tied to the world of theater um, from obviously the fact that like they're singing Sondheim in two different scenes to the fact that uh, there is a long tradition in theater of kind of exploring the relationships that people have with creative people and kind of what it means to, to love a creative person, but also in that balance of drama and comedy, because I just listening to you talk about that, I was thinking about the fact that like most great, dramatic, depressing musicals also have at least one character who is there solely for comedic effect and kind of to uh, lighten it. You know, Les Mis has Master of the House and every other bit that the Tenardiers are in to lighten it and make it, you know, kind of make sure that you're, like, thrown between your emotions and you don't get, like, numbed to the sadder bits, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like it, it definitely, like, plays into that, like uh that kind of tradition of like making sure that there's enough humor in there that you're able to hit both highs and lows in the movie yeah um and it makes the low moments feel like all the more uh i guess impactful
0: well there's a contrast there then
2: yeah exactly and i think that it also makes it feel more real because like i don't know about y'all but whenever i think about times in my life that were rough even whenever I was going through a, like a bad period, there still would be things that would happen that would be hilarious or that would be funny or that I can look back on now and think like, "Oh my god, that was so funny," even if mm-hmm. I didn't in the moment. Sure. But I think that that's like it's very it, the film feels very lived in and very true to life, and I think that that's part of it is that it's like nobody is just going through you know whenever you're you're living a real life as a family, you have these weird moments of comedy interspersed even in your like dark periods or
0: at least we certainly hope so otherwise you know your family's probably boring as hell <laughs> even if
1: it's only in retrospect <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah well and in a lot of those funny moments in this movie are really rooted in character yes um that that hilarious scene where they're trying to sort of try the divorce papers that is all set up by who these people are and by the space that they're in and it establishes the stakes of that scene very quickly and it just moves from there like it moves outward we see she okay Char- She can't Nicole can't give Charlie the papers herself so her sister has to do it she just gets really nervous she doesn't feel that she can do it mom is removing herself from the picture she likes Charlie too much that's all we need to know Yeah, and we see her put the papers down and then it's Chekhov's divorce papers. <laughs> <laughs> hes We know that he's going to find them by the end of the scene and that probably they're not going to be in someone else's hand as they give them to him.
0: And, you know. One thing that I uh, keep coming back to with scenes such as that, because they're very heavily involved uh, with a lot of actors in in the scene and such, is um, I go back to Bombak's uh, direction of the scenes. And, you know, beat for beat as these play out, once again, that balance, not losing it. um, How do you maintain that with your shot selection? How do you maintain that with your blocking? With, um, you know, do you choose to do it all in one long take? Do you choose to edit for a specific reason? I I do believe that on a technical level, um, this is probably Bombeck's most accomplished work to date for me. Um, Not just, uh, like I said, with the actors, the writing, but also in the way he utilizes um, the score by Randy Newman, the cinematography by Robbie Ryan, the editing by Jennifer Lame. It all just kind of comes together in a very um, not showy, but supportive way for the story. It's like everything is really good, but it's never overshadowing um, or taking away from what really matters. And that's the story and the characters.
3: I would disagree about the score though. Oh yeah. The score is,
0: Mm. I will admit, I will admit uh, when it comes to Randy Newman, there were a couple of times when listening to uh, the score in this movie that I was like,
1: Hmm. Toy Story much? <laughs> I I like the score sometimes. Mm-hmm. There are times when it captures a sort of feeling that reminds me of a lot of older movies that were very you know serious character pieces, but also had lighter moments. Um, it, it felt kind of like a throwback in that way. But then there are other moments when it took me completely out of everything that was happening.
3: I get that. Yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, a lot of times it felt very distracting to me and a, a lot of times it never really f- quite fit the tone of what I think a lot of moments of the film were going for. And most of the time I found it to be a little unnecessary in my opinion.
0: See, I, I thought that um, what they were going for with uh, Newman's work here was I really thought they were going for a playful, light and yes, classical uh, tone. I, I, I wonder if it didn't have that. It had a more dramatic uh, tone or something along those lines. But at the same time, I understand that his style can be... Um, I think his style works very well in animation. I really do. I mentioned the Toy Story films before, but any other time he's done mm-hmm. uh, animated uh, work with car films uh, or um, Monsters, Inc., you know, it, it, it seems to work more so there, I, I get what you guys are saying. I don't fully agree, but I get it. I, I totally understand where you guys are coming from. Um, one thing I, I I do want to come back to here that has been the subject of some criticism with the movie, yes, is indeed uh, the perspective of the movie, is predominantly told from Adam Driver's uh, point of view. Now, something that I pointed out in my review is... While I do agree that the film is 60-40 in terms of screen time and also where our allegiance maybe lies a little bit more in terms of uh, the character's point of view, Uh, it's definitely 60 item, 40 Scarlet. I think that there is a 50-50 balance, though, still in the arguments that each character has against the other. Um, for why they love each other and why they also are not meant to ultimately be together. I thought that aspect was still at least balanced.
2: For me, I feel that the f- film is more from Charlie's perspective, but actually favors Nicole. Yes. Because I think that, like, it mm. goes to great lengths to show you that, like, Charlie's a dick. Like,
0: he's, the worst. Like- he's, so he's the worst. He's so selfish. And he has clearly no idea, like, what she once. He like he doesn't listen yeah. to her.
2: Like it's it goes like the main argument really that they have is her feeling like she hasn't gotten to live her life and that she's had to kind of cave to all of his dreams. And then he's he just keeps being like, but we're a New York family. And I think that in that way, like it is more from his point of view and we do spend more time with him. Um and maybe like maybe that's just partially because Noah Bomback is more comfortable with that looking at you know marriage from a male perspective because like plot twist he's a man
0: yeah i i I mean i can't if that's the reason i mean i don't know if i would fault him for that necessarily
2: yeah and i don't think that like i think that in any time where you have a movie like this that kind of puts a couple at odds different people are going to come out of it feeling that One of the two was, you know, shown in a worse light or feeling that one of the two was more sympathetic and that that is partially because of the script, but also partially just what you yourself bring to the movie. Like if one of them does something that is something that you have, you know, had a partner do and you hated it or you feel that yourself do and you hate that in yourself, like you're going to nitpick that person more than like I feel like not to like always bring this back, but it's kind of like everybody has a strong opinion on the musical the last five years who has seen it on whether it's like Jamie or Kathy who's more at fault and I think that that really depends on like who you are and I feel like this is kind of some of the same thing like I can understand where people would look at it and be like oh this movie favors Charlie but I also look at it and I'm like no clearly Nicole's a sympathetic character it's very open and honest about the fact that like Charlie's in the wrong even if we To watch him discover it. And I think that that's also the thing. Like, if we spent 60% of the journey with Nicole, it'd be us being like, yep, okay, I get it. Yep, she's right. Yeah, she's still right. She's been right this whole time. Like, she's, I don't know. Like, there's just not as much to happen for that character. Whereas the character of Charlie has to kind of go on this journey of realizing that, like, the relationship wasn't what he thought it was for all these years.
1: It really much is, I think, the story of a man realizing that not everything is about him. Yeah.
2: (laughs) We need more of these movies.
1: (laughs) Agreed.
0: (laughs) I don't think, though, that either one of them gets away scot-free, though. In terms of the criticism, like I I understand that our allegiance is definitely more with Nicole, but the movie doesn't paint her to be a saint necessarily either.
1: Yeah. And that that was the thing that I was sort of talking about. I understood where everyone was coming from in this movie. Right. every decision that every person made. I feel like the movie almost bent over backwards to make sure that it showed everyone's Perspective, Or at least, you know, the the the, the two main characters.
0: And, and can I just say for the record as well, that when they initially decide to do this and they say they're going to do it right, they're still going to be friends. Everything's going to be fine. Laura Dern's character, Nora, is the one that kind of pushes, you know, Nicole to kind of break that up. But but Noah gives her this passionate monologue yeah. that fully explains the reasoning. So we, the audience, are like, no, don't mess this up. But then after hearing this monologue, you're like, oh, but I get it now and I understand where they're coming from. <laughs> and,
1: but, and this was the point that I had trouble getting emotionally invested in this movie because I felt the movie bending over backwards to – envelop me in understanding these characters and putting me inside their brains and understanding what they were doing and why. And because that to me felt so intellectual that I couldn't feel anything. I understood everything, but I felt very little for them because I felt like it was so clear what was going to happen, right. You know, Every decision just fell right in line.
0: And, and because it was so complex, I actually thought it was an accurate snapshot of
1: life. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Absolutely. My parents went through a divorce when I was out of college. So I have like somewhat of a different perspective on it than most of my friends do whose parents divorced when they were younger. Um, and I recognized so much behavior and this movie <laughs> it's really really well done the the writing is so well done yeah
2: i think that also like this story of a woman who kind of let go of herself and her dreams and what she wanted because she fell in love and she wanted to be that supportive spouse and help her spouse with you know his dreams and whatever I feel like that's something that like most of us probably know someone like that whether it's a friend that we've watched do it or you know an aunt or a mother or a family member or a family friend or whatever like I feel like so many people can identify someone or multiple someone's like that in their life that that I think for me was part of how it was easy to become invested in it was the fact that like I've seen this play out in life and I've seen it play out both ways where yeah, the woman is able to, to make the stand for herself. And I've also seen it where like there's talk about separating and it never happens and she just kind of goes along with it. And then she's, you know, kind of, past her, her age of being able to really do anything about it. And it's kind of like, well, this, this is what my life was.
0: I'm really curious to ask, uh, just from your point of view with that, because yeah. I, I think that's very interesting that you're bringing that up here, because um, we're living in a time where the divorce rate is higher than it has ever been before. And we all know that, um, you know, decades ago, Uh, So many women uh, settled in their marriage and uh, just tried their best to ultimately make it work and didn't get divorced because that was so frowned upon within society. Um, What do you think has ultimately like over the years led to um, the higher divorce rate, if you had to take a guess?
2: I think that so both of my grandparents, uh, my grandparents on both sides divorced in a time when that was not as not as accepted. Right. And I think that, you know, you did have couples in that time who started getting divorces. And I know that my parents and their siblings have all talked about how much more their lives improved when their parents divorced. And I think that what happened was you had enough generations of people that saw that divorce uh, is not the worst thing that can happen to a family. Mm-hmm. And that it's often much better for the children involved in addition to the parents when a divorce happens. Um, and not always. Like, obviously, like, there are couples who talk about divorce and then make it work. And that's great. And obviously, um, if if they can make it work, then that's probably preferable. But I think that it's that enough women and, and, and men, too, saw that, like, a divorce can be really beneficial to everyone involved if the marriage is bad enough. And that that kind of loosened the idea of it a bit more. And then it became more socially acceptable. And I think it also kind of goes along with like more and more now women expect to have a career. Mm-hmm. Um, and because like, obviously throughout time, one of the main deterrents to divorce was financial stability and financial independence. And now it's more and more common to have two working parents and that kind of frees up the ability to get a divorce as a woman um, in a way that our grandparents didn't necessarily have. Yeah. Um, And so I I think, like, obviously, it's a huge combination of factors. But I think that, like, the, the main two are probably, like, the financial aspect and then also the, like, it becoming more acceptable in society to say that, like, if a marriage is bad, it is better for all involved to get out of it.
0: And it's interesting how with this movie, there is kind of, like, a clear path at first, when they decide to go down this route of getting the divorce um, in terms of everything's going to be okay for their son. This is how they're going to split everything financially and so on and so forth. But then like once the lawyers all start getting involved. Mm-hmm. Then it becomes oh, yeah. slowly but surely um, this boxing match of how can I hurt the other person?
2: And I think it shows that like divorce can bring out the worst sides of people yeah. and the legal system can bring out the worst sides of people. Oh. Like, I don't that's just oh, divorce.
0: When Alan Alda and Ray Liotta like, break it down oh. for Driver, because um, Driver's <laughs> like, this is so ridiculous and they're like, buddy, you don't know to half of it. <laughs> like, yeah. This is what yeah. this is what you could expect to happen in the next couple of days and then they start like going through everything and it, what does he say it was that line in the trailer where he's like we will find some place between crazy and yeah. so i can't remember the line but it, it was so um it was so blunt it was so blunt and so um almost frightening <laughs> in a way yeah that as i'm watching it it just made me go Oh geez, if I ever get married, I better sure as shit know what I'm doing for the long term. I never want to go through this in my life.
1: <laughs> Prenuptual <laughs> agreement. Honestly, I <laughs> came out of it and
2: I was like, "Wow, if I ever get married, I am signing a prenup like before that marriage ever happens. Like we are prenupping. Like, uh-huh. yeah, but I I think that it's also interesting because like on the other side of it, you have Laura Dern who kind of is warning uh, Nicole that if she doesn't, you know, kind of go to the mattresses and fight this fight, she's going to end up getting pushed over the way that she did their entire marriage until she suddenly hasn't gotten any of the things that she wanted. And, you know, especially, like, this, the whole idea of the kind of New York versus L.A. is a big theme in the film, stylistically, in addition to, to you know, story-wise. And I think that that is a huge thing in terms of, like, You know, Nicole makes the point that her whole marriage, she wanted to spend more time in L.A., it's where she's from, it's where our family is, she wants to work in movies, and part of why they have to go through this whole thing is because her lawyer, Laura Dern, is determined that, like, she's going to get that and not just give in the way that she has the rest of her professional life
1: Yeah. to
2: Charlie being like, but we're a New York family.
1: Nicole has to be pushed to fight for that. Oh, yeah. Even though she's unhappy. very unhappy in her marriage and wants to divorce and wants the things she wants and is divorcing because she wants something better for herself. She still has to be pushed by some, by and not just any attorney, but specifically (laughs) that attorney. The
2: attorney I hope that I have, if I ever do get a divorce.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think that one thing. I mean, she has to be pushed in order to do it. I think that says so much about, this state of uh of women today, and like, and I don't, yeah, you know, I don't say that lightly, but it's it's a hell of a situation.
2: And I think that also, like, one thing that I they show so well, and that I think Noah Baumbach does so well, is they show the way that like. They're both kind of complacent in their relationship, like to the point that they even fall back into things um, because they're just so used to each other. Like whenever they're having that first meeting with their lawyers and they're going to order lunch and he like can't figure out what he wants to order and she just orders for him. Yeah. Or the way that she ends up cutting his hair again because she's always cut his hair and he like doesn't even think to go get a haircut on his own anymore. And I think it kind of shows that like – They both have just become so settled into this relationship and that that is part of the hardest thing to get out of is because it it feels easier to just stay than to actually, like, make the change to make, you know, particularly for Nicole, to make her life better. And I think that, like, there's so many little things that they do in the movie to show that. Did
0: you guys ever watch the movie and think to yourself – Um, by the time you like got to the end, let's say, did you ever have a moment where you thought to yourself, um, I kind of do want to see them get back together and maybe try again. Not once, not once,
1: never, not once, never, not once. Okay. Because they're both bad for each other. Yeah. And they're bad for each other from the very beginning of the movie, Mm -hmm. which is my other big thing about it. We never for, for, for me. I never got to see enough of what this relationship was like when it was good to have some sense of emotion that it was over.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah.
2: That's fair. But I do feel that in some ways it's intentional that, like, I feel like the characters have forgotten what it was like when it was good.
1: And they're just
0: kind of like to this humdrum. Yeah.
1: Well, they haven't, though. I I I think think that... I that's think what that Nicole whole sequence is. I think that that's what the beginning sequence is about saying, you know, what they like about each other. I think that's a, trying to do this work of building this relationship and seeing how all oh, these people love each other and look how wonderful and how nice and then drops us into, oh, fuck no.
0: Well, uh, and I'm with you on that one, Dan, actually. Well, actually, no, I, I'm not with you on that one, Dan. Let me take that back. Um, <laughs> I, I think that that opening actually does the groundwork very well. And I also think that had we had um, more of that boy meets girl kind of an intro, um, the movie would just be too long at that point to tell the story that it is trying to tell. It would almost be like, why do you need two and a half hours, uh, an epic runtime to tell this story of this relationship? Um, I, I, I already think the film is already kind of pushing it just a little bit at 2.16, you know? But
1: it, it, it I think it gets the job done. Okay. Hold on, it's two hours and 16 minutes? <laughs> yeah. It did not feel that long while watching it.
3: I agree. Uh, well, you know, I, I think a lot of uh, of this movie, I, I really do respond to the uh, great character work that goes on, but I also feel like there's not really... I think one of the big issues that I have is that I still think that there's an issue with the balance of where the perspective of this movie comes from, and I really also feel like we are supposed to sympathize with Charlie more so than Nicole. I don't really feel it's as balanced as it really wants us to feel. And that, to me, is still the underlining problem that I have with it. Like, And even just something as simple as the New York versus L.A., this is a movie that feels like it has so much hatred for L.A. And the fact that that seems to come across so clearly to me means it has a lot of affection for Charlie's uh, plight in the film. And I feel like we don't get as much of the perspective of Nicole. And I, I tend to feel that a lot from the storytelling in this film. I think that's fair, actually. Like it is. Let's
0: also uh, let me also just say for the record really quick that Noah Baumbach is a New York guy. And <laughs> right. what's, what's interesting <laughs> is Jennifer Jason Lee was an L.A. gal
1: well of course and obviously that informs it
0: i'm movie. just saying there i think there's a little <laughs> bit of you know a little bit of that there you know
1: yeah i mean uh, very much so and i do think that it is unbalanced in that way like nicole does come off as kind of flighty and doesn't know what she wants and that is very much confirmed when you meet her family like they're also kind of like that and la is not I think shown in a very good light. It's either these sort of hippy dippy, oh whatever you want goes, like her family is, or it's these ruthless business people who will take advantage of everything they can, like Laura Dern and Ray Liotta's characters. However, I, I don't think that the movie is trying to use any of that against Nicole.
2: I uh, also don't I think, think it she, portrays New York in that great of a light. Like, but, okay. like yeah, I, I think it, it makes L.A. look bad, but also it's like, yeah, New York is full of, like, you know, super pretentious avant-garde theater people who don't respect, like, relationship boundaries and, like, you know, can't focus on anything but themselves. Like, if anything, it's kind of like big city people are narcissists. Like, I feel like it, it kind of says that equally about both cities.
3: Well, I would just say that another thing, apart from, like, the New York versus L.A. element that I feel skews in Charlie's perspective, is also that Charlie has an affair in the film. And I don't think we get really any consequence of that affair. And that was another thing that bothered me a little bit, because that's a pretty big thing that happens in their relationship. but I don't really feel like we interrogate that as much as we should
2: I also think that, yeah, it is really downplayed that, like, not only does he have an affair, but he has an affair with their co-worker, like, their mm-hmm. mutual co-worker. Mm-hmm. The and person
1: like, she thought he was having an affair with.
2: Yes. Yeah, it's the it's with one of the people in the theater company that they both work
1: in. Oh, my God. Wallace
0: Shawn. No, yes. I'm, I'm... <laughs> yes. That was uh...
2: a that is uh, it's
0: not really with wallace Shawn people okay <laughs>
2: um but i i do think i would agree there that like that is downplay but to me it felt like it's maybe downplay because for nicole like that's not the worst thing like that's not her breaking point her breaking point is more the realization that like she's you know it's always going to have to be about him yeah so like i guess i kind of got it in that way but i did i did have a moment watching it where i was like oh my god right like why are we not talking about his affair?
1: I, that actually was part of the things that made me think like, oh, it's, this movie is bending over backwards to show him is in just as negative a light as her. Because like, yeah, she may be going through some stuff and having some issues, but she didn't have a fucking affair. But you guys don't think that like that back and forth, um, I don't know
0: who I'm supposed to side with. That doesn't make the film interesting to engage with.
2: Oh, I think it does.
0: Yeah, no, I do. T- I do too.
2: To be honest, I never really like switched over to Charlie. I guess for me, like, there were moments where I was like, "Yeah, you know, Charlie's really dealing with a lot too, and like it's rough for him as well." But I never once wasn't like, "Yeah, but he deserves it." Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I, mean, I think I
3: never that... did. I never did either. But I feel like the film tips the scales a bit to want to sympathize with his plight a little bit more. He's the one making the effort. To visit L.A. He's the one who has to take his son on the second Halloween and there's it's a terrible experience. And I feel like the movie is saying that Charlie is the one making more of the concessions and therefore you should sympathize with him more.
0: But I think the movie goes out of its way to make Charlie more of a dick.
1: <laughs> yeah, And it also makes the point over and over that Yeah, he's having to do this now. But Nicole literally did that their whole entire relationship. Yeah.
2: I do think that like it maybe goes out of its way to try to make sure that Charlie is still sympathetic. Because it would be too easy to paint Charlie as the villain.
0: I also think the movie works well if there is no clear-cut villain.
2: (laughs) Well, that's what I mean. Like, I think that they don't want it to be a thing where you're very obviously like, well, Charlie's a dick and Nicole's a saint. And obviously...
0: No, it would be a boring movie.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And I think that it does maybe go a little bit far in trying to bring you back to Charlie's side. Like, I can see that. Um, For me, it worked because I was so dead set against him from the get-go. And I think that part of it also is that, like, Adam Driver gives an incredible performance and conveys so much emotion that I think, like, in the hands of a lesser actor, the movie might seem less sympathetic to Charlie because you know like an actor who wasn't able to bring about such an emotional
3: response from an audience and I would Um, certainly agree with that like Adam Driver I think his performance despite some issues I have with the character as he's written he does a phenomenal job of realizing him as this person that you do want to become invested in even when I feel like the script is kind of uh, putting its thumb on the scale a little bit in terms of the sympathies
0: it's not only one of the best ensembles of the year Mm -hmm. in my opinion but i do believe that driver and johansson deliver career best performances in this movie and it all comes together in what is for me the single best on-screen argument i have ever seen in any domestic drama any movie ever uh because of where that scene starts how it escalates what point it gets to and where it ultimately ends the way it's shot, everything about that scene in that room is pure cinematic magic between those two actors. It it was a complete masterclass.
2: I also think that there's something really beautiful in the way that it's written and that it shows that like, oftentimes in a movie or a television show or whatever, whenever you see an argument, it's just like, and it builds and it builds and it builds and it explodes and it ends there. And that's not how arguments tend to be between people. Like, there typically is like fallout afterwards. Like, they don't just storm off immediately often. And like, I like that it has nuance within it that like they have this intense argument, but then there's also that like immediate moment of like, yeah, okay, but this is still a person that I have to have in my life forever because we share a child. Like, I don't know. I just, it felt more real to me than I think any argument I've ever seen agreed like this in a film
0: well it's them trying trying to have a civil discussion (laughs) uh but they're taking subtle jabs at each other while it's happening and the next thing you know the jabs become full-fledged punches and the next thing you know it becomes I'm going to say literally the nastiest most hurtful thing I can possibly say to you and At that point, you know, if you've ever been in an argument like that before, by the time you reach that boiling point, you are just so emotionally spent. And when you kind of have nothing else in your repertoire to really throw out. And for the record, I'm very, very glad that it never gets physical between them. Mm -hmm. That was something I was really afraid of. And I'm glad that the movie doesn't veer that way. Um, So if you're not going to do that, then you're right, Nicole. It's like, what's left? And the fact that the film then shows, like, kind of like that aftermath of just the silence and like the the, the just how emotionally spent these two are, um, it 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 just being witness to that, and like I said, these characters feeling so real to me as people, um, it just felt like we were watching something that we're not supposed to be seeing because, you know, it's maybe taking place across the street in your neighbor's house yeah. and you don't know because it's behind closed doors. Well, here is a snapshot potentially of, you know, what could be going on in people's lives that we're just not privy to. And it's brutal and it's ugly.
2: It feels like the kind of argument that you might like accidentally walk in on, like at a, a gathering at a friend's place or a family, whatever, that like two real people are having. And you're like, oh God, I'm not meant to be here. I'm not meant to see this. Yeah. Because it it it's so like visceral and it like i honestly felt a bit like ill after (laughs) and i was like i'm emotionally worn out from this argument and the way that they both react to like at the end of the argument i just think is it's it's just really like a like you said it's just like a stunning piece of film magic
0: right uh another thing that you know like i was saying before um may not get as much you know credit as that scene but in terms of the comedy of this movie uh, mm-hmm. the scene with marfa kelly as the evaluator the appraiser who comes by uh to check in on charlie and how he his relationship is going with his son that scene is maybe for me one of the biggest laugh out loud scenes of the year hands down
2: the <laughs> the bit with the knife the
1: oh, knife god. trick the knife the, trick oh it's god
2: the, Single funniest thing I've seen on film this whole
0: year. <laughs> y- agreed. It's hysterical. I, he
2: life. I don't know. Like... It's
0: making Dan choke right now. That's how funny okay. it was. <laughs> the
1: funniest thing that i see, I yeah. <laughs> I, I was dying. I, I
2: was like crying tears of
1: and her reaction to it, her Martha Kelly's reaction shots throughout oh, that whole scene so- are just giving me such life.
0: Yeah. It's really, really well-conceived, really well-executed. Um, it's a credit to everybody in that, scene, in that scene that's involved, not just Driver. I mean, Marfa Kelly, with those reaction shots, like you said, Dan, just sells it.
2: I love the kid, like, at the end of that scene when he, like, comes back into it. Like, and just there, there's a certain ambivalence that children often have to things that is, like, shocking sometimes. And he really captures that. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Did anybody think that Martha Kelly kind of reminded you a little bit in her mannerisms of Jennifer Jason Lee? I don't know if it means anything. It just seemed kind of interesting to me as I was uh, watching
1: her, it. Her voice. Yeah. Her voice a little. Yeah.
3: I
0: need to rewatch it. I wasn't looking for it.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it might not mean anything. It could be just a coincidence. But <laughs> as I was sitting there thinking like, man, she reminds me of somebody. Who is it? And then it clicked. She sounds like Jennifer Jason (laughs) Leigh.
1: That was not what I thought at all when I was watching it. But now that you mention it, yes.
3: (laughs) Oh, my God.
0: All righty. So now final thoughts. Great out of 10 Oscar potential. Passing it over to Josh first. Uh, What final thoughts? What did we not cover? Do you want to reiterate something? What do you got for us?
3: Uh, the only thing that I would like to reiterate is just shouting out the supporting cast again. I think this is a really well put together ensemble. And I actually think that my favorite of the supporting players is Ray Liotta. I, I really, really loved That's his great. performance. And it's, you know, you don't really see Ray Liotta give a really great performance these days. I really thought he was so great in every scene of his. He had just such a great smarmy charm that I just really responded to.
0: Yeah, it's like it's it wasn't like Better Call Saul, like Bob Odenkirk. Uh, you know sleazy lawyer type but it was kind of like in that same vein of just like loud and kind of obnoxious and like yeah buddy I'm gonna just tell you like it is this is how much it's gonna cost you it's gonna suck it's gonna eat away at your soul and you gotta be prepared for it like
1: you know just I am I the only one who felt a lot of sexual tension between his character and Laura Dern's character <laughs> because I, every time that they were in a room together, I'm like, I was just thinking to myself, oh, they're gonna fuck. Okay, I definitely
2: thought that he was like, I definitely was like, oh, he's into her and he's threatened like by her,
1: but like he's yeah, innocent. it would totally like, be like hate fuck but I definitely felt that energy between them. Was I the only one? I was the only one. It's two alphas entering the room together. Yeah. I
0: I, I know exactly what it is you're talking about. Once again, didn't think of it while watching, but man, oh man, I think you're on to something. And then there's poor Alan Alda who I really, really enjoyed every scene that Alan Alda was in, in this movie. And he's got a nice monologue at one point as well. Um, One of my slight criticisms is that he disappears from the movie and he never comes back. And I was a little, I was a little uh, disappointed in that because I was really enjoying him so much in this and I I wanted more Alan Alda. I I don't think that's ever a crime to say that we want more Alan Alda.
1: (laughs) I think there's a reason for that and I'll get to it in my final thoughts.
0: Yeah. You want to get to that? Yeah. Let's go. Go, go, go ahead, Dan. (laughs)
1: Okay. Um, I I think this film is absolutely at its best when it is dealing with the absurdity of divorce, and specifically the divorce process in America. Um, And I think that is sort of typified by Alan Alda's character, who is, by a pretty decent stretch, the nicest person in the film. And is in there for maybe about two scenes. And says to Adam Driver, when they when um, they meet with Nicole's and her attorney, Laura Dern, and they're sort of like, well, we're taking everything. You know, it's 5050's day. We're going to come for everything that we want. And he basically tells Adam Driver, like, eh, what are you going to do? <laughs> Which is... Like, the exact, like, that is exactly not what you want to hear in that situation. I don't think it's what, it's certainly not what Charlie wants to hear. And I don't think it's what we, the audience, want to hear either at that point, because, you know, we do want to see both of these people stand up for themselves, I think. Um, Or at least I did. Maybe I'm weird. (laughs) But then he's gone because I think that the main thesis of this movie is that there is not much room for niceness in this process, what it has become in America. Which I think, Dan,
0: I think the final scene of the movie maybe proves that wrong.
1: Well, that's what I'm saying specifically in the divorce process legally. That little
0: yeah. gesture, though, of tying shoe, tying the shoelace?
1: I, I agree that like there's room for niceness amongst human beings, amongst right. married couples, former married couples. I think that is all true, but I think that it's saying that there's no room for niceness, niceness in the actual process of getting divorced. after there mm-hmm. can be niceness, before there, there can be niceness, but the process of actually going through it, no.:
2: I agree.
0: But they agree to have a civil, nice, easy divorce.
1: But yes. also agreed to capitulate to all of Charlie's demands, which is not what Nicole wanted.
2: He's like, yeah, why can't we do this civilly? And then she's like, but I want to be in L.A. And he's like, how could you? We're a New York family. <laughs>
1: yeah. And he
2: just keeps saying it. <laughs> yeah. Sorry.
1: No, it's fine. I, I, I just And that, that's the other thing that I love about it is that Charlie – I just think the script is so great, and Charlie keeps clinging on to uh, (laughs) these abstract ideas and phrases that he's just repeated to himself over and over. Yeah. (laughs) As opposed to like thinking about what that actually means and whether they actually are and why and what what it would mean going forward. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel I found that and so much of the details on the script to be, um, really keenly observed. Um, I, I do, I'm not sure entirely yet that it's Noah Baumbach's best film, but I think this may hop over Francis Haw and, uh, Margot the wedding to be, his best script it's his best film
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh nicole according to you in your opinion the gospel according to negs
2: two final thoughts um one of which is more serious the other one of which is i'm glad that you mentioned the the tie and the shoelaces thing because first of all A big year for movies about tying shoes. Yes. Scarlett
1: Johansson tying shoes. Truly.
2: (laughs) Secondly, I really hope, like, someone out there who's listening, please tweet me. I hope that I'm not the only person who, like, in that scene, the first thing I thought of was the bit, and I forget which one it is, but in the Harry Potter movie, when Jenny, like, really awkwardly ties Harry's shoe. Because it's, like, the worst moment in any Harry Potter, like, movie. Because she just, like, really awkwardly ties his shoe for him. And then was like, there. Um, and I was like, wow, see, this is how you tie someone's shoe and don't make it super awkward and sexual. Um, so, yeah. Did, I, like, I need to know what? if anyone else thought of that.
0: Well, Dan clearly didn't.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No! <laughs> it's, it's the biggest thing about any Harry Potter film that's always bothered me. And so I was like, wow, it can be done. But on a more serious note. Um. Although, like, truly, I do want to know if anyone else thought of that. I think that I, I, it, I wouldn't be me if I did not mention on this the fact that there are two different songs that are sung in this movie.
0: Oh, you mentioned it already. <laughs> so,
2: I I it briefly, but I need to discuss. Both of which are from the musical Company uh, by Stephen Sondheim, which opens on Broadway this spring. And yes, they've already been tweeting about this film, which I love. And Company is a musical that is about relationships and how messy they are and how frightening they are. And uh, it's basically about someone who is the last unmarried person in their friend group and they're watching all their friends fight and struggle in their marriages. And so I think for any like non-theater person who's watching this, like the songs slot in nicely and it's, it's great, it's fine. Like it kind of helps prove that like these are dramatic theater showy people. Um, but for people who are musical theater fans, as I'm guessing now that like Noah Baumbach must be, it's like a punch to the gut every time they sing one of these songs. Because a uh, company is, you know, I think fairly like widely considered to be one of the best musicals about relationships um, ever made. And particularly when Adam Driver sings the song Being Alive, which anyone singing Being Alive can make me cry. But Adam Driver singing Being Alive, it's it's a song about kind of, you know the the fear that you have to get over to be in a relationship and how vulnerable it is to, to admit that you want someone and uh, just, it, I mean, it's about a lot of things, but I think that it fits so well within this film and it's so perfect and, like, I just want to applaud uh, Noah Baumbach for putting that in and also applaud the fact that, like, Adam Driver delivers that bit so perfectly and so well and so poignantly that I just, like, it's one of my favorite scenes in a movie of this whole year not just because i got to hear adam driver sing one of my favorite songs but because like i think that it really showed an understanding of the topic both in terms of choosing that song and adam's performance of it so
1: okay if we're gonna do this then i have to offer the offer the counterpoint here and i do not think that character earned that song at
0: all the character or in the scene driver's performance The character.
1: I don't think the character, as presented up to that point, earned the right to sing that song and have us get emotional about it because he's still a dick. Can he be a dick to us, but not a dick in his own mind? Well, that's
2: the issue. If he was a dick who knew he was a dick, it would be better.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. If he, (laughs) that was the whole thing, and I, he was not the character to me at that point was not at a, the point. In his character arc, yet where he could have sang that song, and to me, had it mean all those wonderful, beautiful things that you were talking about, Nicole. To
2: me, I think it's it's a revelation of sorts, and I think that Adam Driver places out very well in that. You know, it it, it starts and he starts singing. It, his demeanor
0: changes it. as it goes. yes yeah.
2: He gets into it, and I think that for him, like you can almost see it wash over him that maybe for the first time he's understanding. That's
1: what I took it as too. Singing. Yeah. I did not get that from his performance at all. Really? Okay, I really I got that. Yeah, me too. I, I'm I'm shocked to hear you say and that. Maybe I need to watch it again. But yeah. I remember watching that and just thinking there's, he doesn't get it. He doesn't moment, get himself.
2: There's a moment where he goes from performing it to feeling it, and like if you're, I think, and I saw it, him do that,
1: but yeah. I didn't think I I didn't buy it. Well, okay, well that's it. That's all you have to say then. Yeah, <laughs> driver yeah. didn't do enough in them like i i saw him switch it but they d- hadn't done enough work with that character to make me buy that that was happening
0: or you're putting too much stock into the song
2: that's not possible
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, i'm just saying thematic thematically speaking you're putting too much stock into it maybe
1: i mean possibly but i i think if i am then nicole is also
0: well, I mean, yes, but I, but what I'm getting at here is I, I do think that the change as he's singing it, realizing the words that he's saying and having this almost like aha moment, if you will, uh, while it's all happening. I think that's 100 percent deliberate mm-hmm. and whether it's earned or not, um, I, 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 I think that the expectations of the song and your familiarity with the song might play into that. But I don't think there's any doubt that where the character goes after that scene that we're not supposed to get what Nicole got out of it, you know?
2: Yeah, I think to me it's, it's him accepting that relationships are messy and that you have to let yourself into that and be vulnerable and and that like you're going to get hurt. And that's just how it is. And he's finally, to me, it felt like an integral piece in him accepting that, like, this was never perfect. It was never going to be perfect. And he has to let go of that. Because I feel like so much of the film is him clinging to this relationship and, like, no, this is who I am. This is who we are. And he doesn't know how to be himself either without Nicole.
1: See, and to me, that that was like that was more it for me he did not know how to be not in this relationship and he's thinking about like I just want you know I just want someone to be in a relationship with me and you know that, love me for song... me love me when I'm terrible and love me when I'm happy and love me when I'm awful and I am just like dude you don't get it Dan and I will I, continue I, discussing I will, I will... this I will say another day. <laughs> I will I will. I will say when this is released on Netflix, I'm going to watch this again and I will have all of your voices in my head and I will let you know if I feel differently.
0: Fair enough. The second oh. <laughs> uh, one thing I do want to comment on is I love that the screenplay gives uh, Scarlett Johansson a monologue uh, when she's telling about uh, to Laura Dern about how she met Charlie. Uh, that camera lingers on her face and, uh, Scarlett Johansson just has so many opportunities in this to deliver what I what I still maintain is her most layered nuance and uh, most emotive work uh, of her career uh, thus far. Drivers, uh, big moments, uh, you know, the scene with the appraiser, uh, the, the Sondheim uh, bit that we just discussed, um, the scene also uh, where he's arguing with Nicole. Um, it, too, is, I think, the best Uh, work that he's ever done. Alan Alda gets a monologue. Laura Dern gets a monologue that never fails to bring the house down every single time I've seen it play in a theater. I love that this screenplay gives moments to everyone. Too often in so many movies do I mention as a criticism that certain characters feel uh, dropped off and that they are not given the time to breathe or the attention in the spotlight uh, just to give the actors something to do and this movie i think gives that and i really really respond to that um a lot here so kudos to uh Bombac for delivering what i think is like i said before one of the most balanced scripts of the year even though uh we've spent a great deal of time discussing why there might be even though there are moments of balance there might also be some imbalance too And I think that that's part of it. And I think the messiness that we're discussing in the relationship, in the divorce process, maybe even with this screenplay, it's all kind of intentional because we as human beings, at the end of the day, we are messy. And I think that this film perfectly captures that. I am going with a 9 out of 10. It will definitely be in my top 10 of the year. Josh, what's your grade?
3: I'm an 8 out of 10. I There's a lot of elements I like. It's hovering around like the bottom part of my 10. There's some issues with the story that I have, but overall I still think it's so well crafted and the performances especially. Oh, they're so, so well done.
0: Yeah.
1: Dan? I'm an 8 out of 10 just like Josh. And Nicole?
2: Uh, I was going back and forth, but I'm actually a 10 out of 10. I would need, I need to do a second watch to like confirm it, but I'm a 10 out of 10. It's currently my number one of the year.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you have a number one of the year, it should be a 10 out of 10 as far as I'm concerned. Exactly. Mm
2: -hmm. Exactly.
0: Okie dokie. So now from an Oscar potential standpoint with this movie, uh, we're pretty late in the season. Uh, So, you know, a lot of things are starting to kind of come together now. I think this movie is on the table for picture, director, actor, actress. Um, Not so much supporting actor anymore. Sorry, Alan Alda. You needed more screen time, in my opinion. Supporting actress for Dern, original screenplay for Baumbach. Uh I think film editing and score are maybes, um, but I definitely could see a world where film editing uh, comes into play here a little bit. What do you guys
3: think? I think for film editing to happen, this movie needs to be like a top three or four contender. And you don't see it as such? I did, but I'm starting to wane a bit
0: on that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So, do you think it could ladybird itself and just get above the lines and no text?
3: That's what I'm thinking. And honestly, I'm even thinking that Baumbach is vulnerable in director.
0: You know, I was saying that for a while. I really was because, you know, I was thinking about this and I was saying to myself – Green Book missed a director nomination. Three Billboards missed a director nomination. There's always somebody that is one of those like top-tier best-picture contenders where we think the director is safe, and then the director's branch does something freaking crazy like Paweł Pawlikowski gets in there, and it's like, what? And so I've been toying with the idea that Bomback is the vulnerable one in that regard, but...
2: What if he misses for Gerwig?
0: I I would. would Let me tell you something. I don't think he
2: would be complaining. (laughs) Nope. Nope. They'll still throw a party. (laughs)
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It would be great. I mean, it would definitely create headlines. But at the end of the day, I don't think anyone's going to care. You know?
2: Might help both films.
0: (laughs) I don't think that's happening. But yeah, I think if anyone is going to miss right now in that category it's potentially him and i hate saying that because i really really do maintain that this is the best directed piece of work that he's ever given us and i this is supposed to be like his time his moment it's his film it's backed heavily by netflix so i know i shouldn't feel this way but hey Maybe the five for director that we all have predicted right now will be the five. Maybe it will go all the way and be just that. And there won't be a surprise. Who knows?
3: With the director's branch? Okay.
0: <laughs> I, I know. I know. I'm just saying, no. Like, maybe. Maybe. You never know. Um, other than him, though, is there anything else that we think that uh, there could be a potential, like, shocker? Because um, otherwise, I, I don't see a world where Scarlet, Adam, Laura, I don't see them missing. No. I, I, I can't imagine a world yeah, no. where this does not get in the picture. No,
2: I of the three of them, honestly, like, I almost feel like Scarlett would be the only one that could be vulnerable of the three. And I def, like I have her. She's in my number two spot right now. I even have her. I go back and forth on whether or not she's winning. But just because I feel like people generally, I don't know, like, I feel like Adam Driver and Laura Dern have more of the buzz factor and more of the like they're well liked by people in the Academy factor going for them. But like I I really feel like all three of them are, are in. No yeah. questions asked.
0: I think I think on this the film's worst day they're in the screenplays in and it gets in the picture. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I would agree. And when you think about like you know in terms of how we tend to predict things at the Oscars and then what the actual nominations end up being
3: that doesn't sound far off, actually. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm heading in terms of predictions for this film. I, I really feel like that's where it's going to land. Uh, that's five nominations.
2: I'm predicting editing so that it has one to miss. Because <laughs> um, it feels like typically films get like one less than we predict them for. Yeah. But like I have editing in my fifth slot because I feel like that's the other thing that they could really reasonably get. I agree. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if it got in, wouldn't be surprised if it didn't.
0: Yeah, for a while too, I also thought Randy Newman was kind of a shoe-in for a little bit. Uh, but I-, I have been hearing a lot of rumblings about like people not being a fan of that score. Um I mean, listen, you gotta look at the guy's Academy Award history. Obviously, he is incredibly beloved. So I go back and forth on it. You know, it's like I wanna just check him off because he is a favorite for the category. Uh, But at the same time, I don't know if this is truly like something that I would personally put in there.
2: I also feel like there's too many scores that feel like a shoe in this year. Like, yeah, with things like we have a John Williams score, we have, you know, 1917 coming that will certainly have. Yeah. uh, Alexandra
0: Desplat is definitely going to get in for Mm -hmm. Little Women. Mm -hmm. Exactly.
2: You've got Little Women. Like, I feel like there's too many people that are like, oh, well, they're obviously getting in. To have a score like this where it it seems like it's an obvious composer, but it doesn't quite feel like it's it's like in their best work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, no, no, totally. Like, if you're going to take out one of them, it's this.
0: Agreed. I, I you know, mm-hmm. the film's best day is it gets in for editing, score, bomb back, the actors, picture, screenplay.
1: Yeah, I'm at the point where, though, if we're early in the morning nomination morning and they announce that this is in for score, I will like, oh, maybe I should update my predictions to include one of the supporting actors now. Yeah, (laughs) because I think that'll be a sign that this is absolutely like top of the top, probably going to win best picture. We'll see. We'll see. Mm. Uh,
0: You know, I think I I heavily suspect it's going to get nominated across the board at all the shows leading up. But. I have a feeling that on nomination morning, I, I am leaning more towards that, like that five, you know, that like that solid yeah. five right now for the time being, um, you know, under promise over deliver, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone, uh, that'll do it here for marriage story uh, here on the next best picture podcast. Nicole, where can I find you on the Internet?
2: I am at Nicole Ackman, 16.
1: Dan Baer. I am on Twitter at Dens Dan on film. Josh Barm. You can find me on Twitter at JR Parham. And you can
0: find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Marriage Story here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneInPlayer, FM, ACAST, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support on there, which you can also lend on over at Patreon for $1 minimum a month. You'll get some exclusive podcast content from us, and it also just kind of helps to keep the lights on over here we really really appreciate that thank you so much for listening as always we shall see you all next time